Hello everyone. My name is Lucia Chachulovic and today is Wednesday, the 29th of March 2023. Joining me today are Roman Canziani to discuss the latest market action, Leonardo Pelandini on the comeback of quality growth stocks and Dario Messi for an update on credit risk. So let's start with today's show then. Roman, what caught your eye yesterday? Yes, good morning. Compared with most other days in March, yesterday's trading action delivered little volatility. Markets across Europe were all a bit higher, uh, with most discussions centering around the topic on whether central banks will be pushing their monetary policies more in restrictive territory despite all the banking jitters. Rates across the board rose between 5 and 10 basis points in 10-year maturities of European government debt, as traders priced out some froth from the recent market turmoil. And in the US, consumer confidence numbers came in slightly higher than expected, which is a sign that consumers there remain undeterred from recent numbers showing inflation to remain sticky. Main news, though, were on the corporate front, where Chinese e-commerce giant Alibaba announced to split its business into six units in a shakeup that promises to result in multiple initial public offerings over the coming month. Traders took that announcement as just another sign that Chinese policymakers have become a bit easier with regard to their crackdown on the tech sector. And what about the trading day in the US then? Well, American depository shares of Alibaba surged by more than 10% on the news, but the rest of the market remained fairly quiet. The S&P 500 index closed the day lower by 0.2%, with energy outperforming as the oil price rose and telecom, healthcare and tech underperforming. The latter underperformed for the first time since several days, actually. The VIX index, an index measuring the implied volatility of the stocks uh, of the S&P 500 over the coming 30 days, closed down below the 20 points handle again, a sure sign that stock markets have calmed and become more risk on again. And can you tell us more about fixed income markets? Is normality returning? Well, just like in Europe, US yields increased quite forcefully with two-year US Treasuries up by eight basis points, back above the 4% yield level and 10-year yields also higher. After their out last week, uh, traders now price in a bigger chance of another 25 basis point right hike at the next Federal Reserve meeting uh, at the beginning of May. This morning, 10-year US Treasuries are trading in Asia at 3.56 and two years at 4.09. Okay, and how about other asset classes? How are they performing? Well, yes, the US dollar is slightly higher this morning, trading at 108.30 versus the euro and just above 92 cents versus the Swiss franc. Gold is down a bit, trading at 1960 US dollar per ounce. And Bitcoin is up after the turmoil with regard to Binance over the past days, trading at 27,500 US dollars. And the Brent crude is uh, just shy of the $80 mark per barrel. Now, moving on to the action overnight, anything interesting there? Well, yes, there are two reasons for the positive picture this morning across Asia. First, the Alibaba news lifted markets across Asia quite decisively, with the Hong Kong tech sector jumping by 3%, while also overall indices are in the plus. Japan closed higher by 1%. Hong Kong's Hang Seng is uh, trading 2% in the plus and Chinese onshore shares are also higher by about 0.4% when I checked a few minutes ago. 
The other positive news was the inflation numbers in Australia came in slightly lower than expected, meaning that the Reserve Bank of Australia may remain pat with regard to further rate hikes. And uh, just a few minutes ago, UBS announced a new CEO. Sergio Ermotti is returning as Chief Executive Officer, replacing Ralph Hammers as he taps the veteran banker to oversee the complicated acquisition of Credit Suisse. Interesting. And what else do investors need to look out for today? Well, European stock markets are likely to trade in the plus this morning, while investors remain focused on central bank policy and the health of the financial sector. With regard to data, we already had the German consumer confidence data in for March, coming in slightly higher than expected. Otherwise, all eyes are now glued to the PCE deflation numbers in the US, uh, which are scheduled for Friday. Uh, they are the Fed's preferred measure of inflation. So we are curious about that. That's it from me. Great. Thank you very much, Roman. Now over to you, Leonardo, and our view on equities. The new year has brought many surprises for equity investors so far, hasn't it? Good morning. Yes, that's right. Well, most strategists, including us, expected a weak first half of the year, followed by a recovery in the second half, driven by cyclicals. The playbook turned out to be the other way around. So equity markets soared at the beginning of the new year, driven by beaten down cyclical stocks as recession fears were dissolving. And in the meantime, defensive names took a backseat this time around. The rally, however, ended all of a sudden, given the latest episodes in the banking sector, bringing back memories from the global financial crisis in 2008, leading investors to rotate back into defensive corners of the market. And speaking of the banking sector, what is your take on the current situation there? Well, despite the near-term risks, we believe that the crisis of confidence in the banking sector will eventually be contained. Uh, unlike 2008, when banks faced a solvency issue because securitized assets held on their balance sheets were impaired. This time, banks are faced with liquidity issues. Um, governments and central banks are acting fast to avoid any spillover effect into the economy by providing liquidity and guaranteeing deposits. Uh, with that said, the additional credit tightening will likely impact economic activity down the road making the case for loading up on cyclical names now less appealing. So does this mean that we continue to favor a defensive quality tilt in our equity portfolios? Yes, we do. We, we have a preference for healthcare, for European utilities and high free cash flow stocks. And additionally, instead of cyclicals, we rather see an opportunity to buy some quality growth names at attractive valuations. If we look at the 12-month forward price-to-earnings ratio for the segment, this is back to its 10-year average level. And can you tell us which companies you prefer there? Well, within the segment, we focus on companies that possess solid balance sheet characteristics coupled with high margins and cash flows. These companies should do well in an environment of peaking inflation and also lower bond yields. Um, the outlook for non-profitable growth stocks, in contrast, remains a challenging one, as many are dependent on raising capital externally to remain solvent, and we would use the recent strength as actually a selling opportunity. Perfect. Thank you very much for your insights, Leonardo. 
Turning now to fixed income and you, Dario. We've talked a lot about Credit Suisse and subordinated bank debt over the last few days. So let's take a step back and talk about fixed income more broadly. What is your view on the other credit segments? Yeah, indeed. I mean, currently we talk, as you said, uh, but also understandably all the time about the subordinated debt of Credit Suisse, uh, which was written down as part of the takeover deal from UBS. Um, this had serious consequences for the entire uh, additional tier one debt segment, as this very specific type of debt is called, uh, which has been written down. But but you're right, this segment is a very small part of the entire credit space, so not even 300 billion uh, face value in contrast to double-digit trillions of senior debt outstanding. And indeed, the banking stress we are experiencing pushed credit spreads overall up in March. So not just in this additional tier one uh, bonds. Um, in riskier parts of the asset class, uh, let's take, for example, the, the high yield market uh, there, the spread increased to a level above 500 basis points uh, for the first time this year uh, from the 400 basis points that we saw just at the beginning of the month. Okay, so you say credit spreads are higher. That sounds good to me. Does that also mean that it is time to add more credit risk to portfolios? No, we wouldn't say so. I mean, certainly valuation is better now uh, and having some credit exposure in portfolios is always warranted. But we still believe that we are just at the beginning of a new default cycle and credit events will increase materially from here. And our baseline is, you heard it before before from, from Leonardo, that we are in a slowing economic environment. And on top of this, we have financial conditions less favorable after the fast and furious tightening by central banks. And I'm pretty sure financial stability concerns at the moment, even if they might lead to more cautious monetary policy action, yes, uh, but at the end, it also just tightens financial conditions by itself again. And banks are certainly less keen on just lending generously. So all in all, we would still keep our quality bias at this point in time and not add substantial credit risk to portfolios, despite the fact that spreads look more attractive again. All right. Makes sense to be more cautious on credit risk in developed markets. And uh, just quickly, in the past, you have been more constructive on emerging markets. Is that still the case? Yes, uh, exactly. That's where we would rather allocate some of the risk budget at this point. Um, one of the main drivers here still remains the, the China reopening team, which does not just stabilize Chinese corporate debt, but also uh, credit of related countries and entities more generally. Um, on the other side, it's also important to observe that the, the, the quick recovery in the US dollar we experienced in February took a break. So a strong US dollar sooner or later always means trouble for emerging economies. Uh, so the break is important. And the break in this appreciation of the US dollar is certainly also linked to, to this banking stress period uh, this month, which brought down any expectations that the Fed needs to go much further uh, from here. So in fact, the market actually expects again rate cuts now for as early as July. Um, and with this, we also saw yields at the longer end coming down quite a bit. So yes, coming back to your question, we think emerging market debt is still in a good position. And by the way, also here we saw some widening of spreads in March, improving valuation as well. Very interesting. Thank you, Dario. 
And that's all for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in and please join us again tomorrow for an update on currencies and our latest investment committee decisions. Bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Für unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer. We would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German, where Julius Baer experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player.